Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. G'day and welcome to The Call for a Monday. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Monday the 30th of May. I'm Andrew Gagan. Thanks for joining us. Uh, our two experts on the show here today, Francesca Destratus from Audemannet and Joshua Barker from Macro Capital. Welcome to both of you. Cool. Thank Thanks. you, Andrew. Francesca, I was just talking before we came on air, what are you thinking of the markets right now? Obviously, we saw that strong rally at the end of last week. Uh, another burst today. Uh, people sort of saying, have we seen the bottom? What, yeah. what are you looking for? And I mean, I guess some have said we need, still need a capitulation to really confirm perhaps that we've hit the bottom. Yeah, look, I think what we're going through is a bit of a transition for investors at the moment because we've been in, in an environment where um, inflation's been very low for a long, long time and interest rates have been very low for a long time. Now, the expectations are that's going to change and we're seeing that with you know, central banks around the world and here. Uh, pushing interest rates up, inflation's high um, in most of your uh, Western countries as well. So, so I think we're seeing a bit of a transition uh, in the investment community and, and probably uh, reducing their exposure to equities. And we saw a couple of um, you know, falls in the market earlier in the year and just after rates started rising. So I think that what we're seeing is just some asset reallocation and that will continue on for a little while. So I think where the market is at the moment, I think we're range bound and, and you know, we're pretty much in that range now. Um, you know, I don't see it getting much higher than, or I don't see it going higher than previous records mm. in recent times or lower than those recent lows. All right. Well, Joshua, what are you telling your clients at the moment? Just, I guess, mm. they'd be asking that question of yeah. where to for the market. Yeah. Uh, you haven't got a crystal ball, but, yeah. you know, just as far as perhaps hitting lows are concerned. Yeah, even even at the start of the year, um, we weren't expecting this calendar year to be, you know, a stellar breakout market by any means. And uh, a few times the market's just been dragged lower by those, um, you know, specific issues, whether it be inflation and interest rates or the Ukraine war. And uh, yeah, we've been basically been playing the range um, very, very, very well. And, uh, you know, just taking profits where, wherever possible when that market range gets quite high and uh, you know, reallocating the cash when the market gets quite low. And I think we're gonna, it's going to be the story for the rest of the year at least is somewhat of a flat market till the end of the year. All right. Well, let's... Um, but that being said, that, yep. you know, even though we're range-bound, doesn't mean there's not opportunities out there in the yeah, marketplaces. Well, as well. Well, <laughs> Which is what we're about to talk about. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we'll see some yeah. today, depending on what you guys have picked. Uh, in fact, our first fire, we're going to be looking at Bega, GenX Power, ResMed, Ionia and Aussie Broadband. But first... Our stock of the day, you can't go past AGL today. Big news. Um, it's uh, confirming that it won't receive majority support for sh from shareholders for its demerger to go ahead. So that is off. And in fact, Chairman Peter Bodden, he's since resigned from the board. And Graham Hunt has stepped down as Chief Executive and Managing Director. So lots of movement. Certainly at the top, it comes after tech billionaire Mike Cannon-Brooks, who opposed that demerger said last week he would seek two seats on AGL's board if that plan failed. 
and his Grok Ventures having gained more than 11% stake in AGL this month after a failed takeover attempt with Brookfield earlier in the year. And shares today, well, they are down. That's uh, not a surprise, uh, but well, marginally, really, uh, 1.5% there. So, uh, Francesca, AGL, it's been controversial. It's become political. How do you rate the stock at the moment? Yeah, look, um, look. in our view, we thought splitting the two businesses in two would have been a better option than keeping it together. A couple of reasons. One is that XL Energy... Uh, on a standalone basis uh, would generate a significant amount of cash flow. Um, there were some concerns about them, their ability to raise debt and that, but I think they overcame those. And there was also some concerns around wholesale um, energy prices, uh, but I think those were um, um, in the background as well. Um, and, then, and then the other one, splitting it into AGL um, Australia, which was a separate entity, doing a lot more of the customer side of things. Um, look, that could have generated a bit of corporate activity, I think, as well, you know, from private equity funds and so forth. So potential takeover target, we saw that as well. Um, by, by keeping it together, we probably see that as the worst option uh, and, and, and ultimately the share price is being reflected in that mm. at the moment. Um, so where to from now? Look, I think, um, you know, the, the, the management now have to um, sort of bunker down for a little while until they get a, a, a board and a, and a chairman um, sorted out um, and, and do another business review and see where it goes to from there. But at the moment, we, we've got to hold on. I'd look, if, you, you know, if you're looking to buy it, I don't think there's any opportunity for it to go significantly higher, so you know, I wouldn't be there. Um, if I own it, look, just hold and wait. I think, I think there's value in the business, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how the, the, the business plan comes out post a new chairman and... And management. Yeah, there's too many unknowns at this point. Too many unknowns, exactly right. Yeah, Joshua? Um, yeah, so Francesco, they're saying this is the worst case scenario that's, yep. uh, that's actually transpired. What, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, stock was off quite a, quite a bit this morning. Seen it bounce a little bit, um, nothing too significant. But I think what you're seeing now is just uncertainty. Um, something like this hasn't really occurred in the past for people to look at past examples where an activist, especially an environmental activist, has gotten so involved in the company in such a big way. Um, so, you know, initially, you know, the reason, the, the demerger, um, it did seem a bit messy. Um, it seemed like it was going to, you know, there's no real clarity on the way that structure was going to look moving forward. And every company out there has been, um, you know, reducing their net emissions and doing that as an active role. Whereas their approach was just to, you know, split it into two assets, put the emissions in one and put the green in the other. Um, which was somewhat of a lazy approach from management, I feel. Uh, it's going to lead to more costs as well to run the business. Um, and that's why that billionaire sort of had to step in because it wasn't really, uh, in, from an environmental point of view, not a good decision. Um, so now that I guess that's, he's pretty much been pretty successful in blocking that, mm. um, now I guess there is the risk that with those key um, members out that were opposed, well, that one of the, the demerger, sorry, um, there is a chance that he comes in with a takeover offer. So that's the upside. Um, that being said, I think if you're looking to make a decision on the, the uh, stock, it's probably just a de-risk right now because there's so many unknowns. Um, you know, your potential upside that you're missing out on is he tries to buy the company out for a 10 or 15% premium. You know, leave that on the table, um, de-risk, move it from your, your portfolio to your watch list and just see what happens basically. Okay, so what essentially a sell then if you, yep. you are yep. sell. Okay, all right.
Okay, yeah, we'll see how that transpires because there is still so much to go as far as AGL and obviously the plans as far as uh, Mike Cannon-Brooks is concerned. All right, well, let's uh, get into it. The stocks as picked by you and our first one is Bega. Um, it is the diversified food company. And Haley wanted to know about this. Uh, just recently, in fact, Goldman Sachs downgrading it uh, to a sell. Uh, so also has concerns about headwinds facing the uh, dairy industry and impact on future earnings. So in the food space, bigger, Joshua. Hmm. It's an interesting stock. It's, it really runs its own course. It's one of the only stocks that really went up through COVID. Um, mind you, it had lost about half its value just prior to that. Um, they are also a little bit subject to um, the you know, sort of baby formula uncertainty that's occurring in China at the moment. Um, but yeah, look, nothing, nothing too much to get excited about. If you're wanting it as somewhat of a recession-proof stock, I think it's okay. Um, the yield's not too high. You know, their most recent update, management were flagging a, a range of risks to their, to their own earnings. Uh, they were impacted by the lockdowns in China. They're impacted by the floods here locally, impacted by um, direct costs due to COVID. So there's still very much commentaries around um, COVID at the moment and still blaming that two years on. So I think uh, not really liking that from management at this stage. Um, so it'd be probably more, more of a, a sell at this stage and just see how it goes. All right. Francesca? Yeah, look, um, we're at a hold, but I'm probably, you know, from my point of view, more in line with Josh on this one where, um, you know, Bega's you know, caught up with a lot of the supply, supply chain issues that a lot of manufacturers are caught up with at the moment, so that's going to be an issue for them. Um, as Josh mentioned, you know, you've got the baby formula issues in China, but also in the US at the moment, um, so that's going to take a fair bit of milk production away from cheese making. Um, and that obviously also pushes up the price at the farm gate of, of, of milk as well. So all that, you know, those things working against it, it's trading on about 35 times earnings, so it's expensive. So um, we've got a hold, but I'd be probably looking to lighten the load on that one as well. Oh, somewhere in between those two as well. So I think we're yeah. exactly in the same thoughts there. Just as a bonus, um, you mentioned baby formula and that news today, bubs. Yeah selling, what, a million units into, into the States because yeah. they've got a massive shortfall there. What, any thoughts on bubs? Yeah, I mean, it's up 50%. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> yeah, but, but given um, where it's gone this morning. <clears throat> yeah, look, um, I had a brief look at this, um, not today, actually, about a week and a half ago, so I didn't act upon it. So right, damn. yeah. Um, and, and um, you yeah, know, the FDA's sort of stepped into the US, um, you know, baby formula issues and suggested that they're going to open up you know some barriers to trade to to encourage more baby formula in the US because they're low on supply there mm. don't know why I can't remember what the, the reason behind it was um, and bubs seemed to be the one that would benefit from that because they already had links into the US mm. then they've gone and signed a couple more distribution agreements mm. so yeah uh, but the share price is up like 50 60 yep. percent so uh, it's hard to that. justify yeah, yeah hard to justify but putting your hand in your pocket for that one yeah Josh you any thoughts on bubs Oh, it's just very hard to predict what the US and, and China as well, if you kind of throw A2 milk into the into the chat there. Yeah. Um, just too much, too much unknown to, to even be a part of that, really. Um, I'd be more so on the sell side if you get a 50% pop today. Yeah, it's so, not bad, is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't be unhappy with that. Yeah, fair enough.
All right, let's move on to our second one. This is Gen X Power. Lisa wanted to know about this. Uh, she's saying that it was mentioned on the call last week uh, from Claude as to a stock that would benefit from a Labor government. Uh, so she wants some analysis on this. In fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Japan's electric power development, development company signed an agreeable uh, agreement to uh, renewable energy firm um, from, uh, with uh, Gen X to co-develop 200 megawatts of wind power in Queensland. Um, Joshua, Genix, what are your thoughts? Um, look, I think it's in the right space, as, as I guess the viewer mentioned, with Labor uh, and that green energy play. You know, they're doing the renewable energy supply, which is only going to become more and more um, popular as, I guess, a global energy crisis um, continues to crunch down. And obviously, locally, uh, the government pouring into that sector. It's a fairly small company, about 200 million market cap, and I just think for something that size, um, you want to get really excited about the business, and, and this just isn't it for me. Revenues have been flat for about three years now at about 10 million. Uh, they do have some good assets that they're looking to get into the pipeline, but uh, at the moment they're still running at a, at a pretty significant loss. Um, they recently conducted about a $50 million cap raise. It's about 25% of the market share at about 15 cents. So, um, yeah, I just think that's going to create a lot of dilutionary factor in the stock. It's in the right sector. Um, however, I think that there's better alternatives out there. Um, you know, I don't like to, you know, sort of get into it too much, but PH2, the hydrogen, pure hydrogen company, may be an alternative of just a company you can get around the same size, just a little bit more exciting and, and on, on its way up rather than on its way down, basically. Yep. Longer term growth in that space, hydrogen, you're yep. thinking? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're holding it, what would you do with it? I'd probably sell as long okay. as you know you're putting in, in into something that's good as well. Um, if you want, if you if you're reluctant to sell, then you can just hold because it's quite low. But and it's going to benefit from yep. that. But I just think there's alternatives that will be better off. Okay. Know. All right, Francesco. I, I guess there is a is a danger potentially on picking companies you're thinking going to do well out of policy changes, particularly with a new government, because you don't know whether that's actually going to eventuate or not. No, and, and, and you know, governments tend not to um, put out policy that was significantly favour um, private companies as well. So yes, there's going to, I think longer term benefits from, from uh, um, you know, the move towards renewable energies. Um, you know, Gen X is you know, generating about 100 megawatts at the moment uh, in operation. They've got 250 megawatts in construction and then about another 200 under development. So they're looking to increase that capacity significantly over the next couple of years. Um, you know, it, it, look, it's, it's losing money and it will continue to lose money until it gets critical mass, so there's no dividends. Um, but you know, potentially you know, it could be seen as a takeover target as well because um, you know, a lot of uh, private equity funds are moving in towards the renewables as well. Look, we've, we've got a, a, a buy on it. It's more of a speculative buy yeah, because obviously you know, it's hard to know um, when it's going to be profitable um, and, and whether the plan uh, to, to set up the new um, um, operations is going to be successful as well because obviously you've got to invest a fair bit of capital expenditure to get those um, those generators up and running uh, and it could be cost blowouts and so on so look it's it's more of a speculative play but our guys got um, positive sort of outlook for it over the next sort of four to five years 
You don't sound terribly convinced. No, well, I, look, I, I, my, my role, I focus more on the large caps. And, yeah. and you know, I've, I'd like to see a bit of profit. Um, but obviously, companies start um, you know, by investing capital and trying to get you know, revenues up. So, so obviously, you know, with 100 megawatts of capacity in operation now, you know, that's going to increase by three, fourfold over the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see where the revenues go and how the profitability changes then. Yep. Okay. All right, so that's Gen X Power. A bit of a mix there. Um, a sell from Joshua, but a specky buy from Francesco. Let's move on to ResMed. It is the sleep devices company. Lawrence is wanting to know about this, saying, I'm looking for some healthcare exposure for a medium to long-term hold, and ResMed appears to tick the boxes. I wonder if you can explain the price premium it has on Fisher & Paykel Healthcare and whether it's justified. Furthermore, CSL is also part of my consideration Set wondering if you had any quick thoughts on that. That's a bit cheeky, getting a couple of different views there. Francesco? Like both CSL and ResMed, yep. um, we've got an accumulate on ResMed. Love this company. Um, uh, it, you know, we've been out to visit the facility out there at Bella Vista where they've, they've got their um, engineering and, and, and IP um, development side of things there, but they've also got a manufacturing um, facility there which um, basically takes on any new ideas and turns them into manufacturing and then spreads that to their other manufacturing facilities around the world in the US and, and Asia. Um, look, the, the product sleep apnea, um, it's the, uh, you know, the, the sleep apnea vacuum cleaner on your face when you go to sleep, if you like. Uh, it, look, it's a condition that's becoming more and more, uh, well, you know, people are becoming more and more aware about the condition and how if you can um, improve your sleep apnea problems, it actually improves your other, other health issues that you may have. So um, we like the industry that it's in and, 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 and people becoming more aware of that, which means it's a growing market as well. Look, it's not cheap. It trades on about 35 times for this year, but there's significant growth in their earnings, um, you know, 29 for next year and 26 times for the year after that. You're not in it for a dividend, you're in it for growth. Um, the share price will move around a bit. I think around you know, the low 30s uh, times earnings is, is quite attractive. Um, so, yeah, we've got an accumulate on it. Um, and look, you know, I think the share price has come back a little bit in recent weeks. Um, and uh, I think that presents pretty good buying opportunity. How do you compare it with Fisher & Paykel then? Uh, we don't look at Fisher & Paykel, but look, um, ResMed's the number one. Mm. Um, I think Philips had Philips is another competitor. They've had a product I think recall. Because they had a big recall, didn't they? Yeah, they yeah. just had a recall. So, mm. so that's that benefits uh, ResMed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, um, and Fisher and Paykel, you know, they do a number of other things as well. Whereas mm. ResMed is purely you know, sleep apnea. Um, they do have other devices uh, other than the CPAP machines because. Um, Treating, treating sleep apnea, there's a number of ways of doing it. There's, um, you know, obviously the CPAP machines, but you can also use an oral device. Um, they, a number of years ago, built a French company that did oral devices as well. I don't know where that's going. It's only a small part of the business. Maybe they're going to shut it down and just remove the competition, if you like. Mm. Uh, and the third way is um, surgery. So um, they, they've covered both bases there, I think. All right. Joshua. Yeah, this one seems to be a bit of an analyst and broker favourite. Um, the average expectation is about 25% higher than where it is now. Some of the some of the targets are you know talking about 35, 40% uh, up from here. So um, hard to look past. I did look a, a, a fair bit into it, and uh, yeah, I think the the view is right. It does tick a lot of the boxes. Um, you know, the company has been on a you know great run longer term. 
Um, but just recently it's had a bit of a pullback and I guess looking into the reason for that pullback, um, it was a broader, broader pullback in the healthcare sector we've seen. Also that issue with um, Philips recall, um, it did cause the stock to drop a little bit, but that was just because they aren't able to take advantage because of the supply chain issues um, and the chip shortages on the moment. But longer term, it will be a good thing for them. So I think anytime you're able to buy a company that's a really strong performing business, they've got some great prospects for the future, you know, they've got the ability to move into other regions of the market, you know, for example, they're mainly in developed countries being a, a sort of premium product, so there's the room for them to move into developing countries as well. Um, but anytime you can buy a strong company like this due to a temporary issue, uh, I think is a really good opportunity. So yeah, it's a pretty, pretty strong buy from me. Strong buy. Yeah. All right. Um, and uh, Lawrence also wanted to know about uh, well Fisher and Paykel. I mean, you, yeah. have you taken a look at that? Well, I had to, uh, actually last time I was on the call Fisher and Paykel, and right. uh, in short, um, it's basically a lockdown stock doing the respirators. So very different. Yeah. It, it experienced a, a huge growth during COVID, and we're seeing that cool off now. Um, in terms of CSL, we like CSL as well. I think CSL is a lot better if you're looking for stability in your portfolio, um, whereas RedMed seems more attractive from a growth point of view. So yep. um, I, I wouldn't be adverse to having both of them. Talking about recession coming, healthcare is a great place to be during those times. So uh, yeah, definitely wouldn't be adverse to having both on in the portfolio. All right. Okay, so that's ResMed, uh, something completely different. Let's get into uh, resources, specifically um, lithium. And Iron Ear, Rana wanted to know about this. In fact, mentioning that Henry Jennings has been interested in Iron Ear for a while now, so very keen on it. Would love some more opinions on the stock's longer-term outlook before I buy, because uh, Iron Ear focused in the States with its what, Rylage uh, um, project. It's, I think it's actually dependent on, it's still wanting some environmental approvals. Mm. Uh, that seems to be the hurdle at the moment. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Ironia? Um, yeah, about 70% of their company is lithium. So, I mean, in terms of the pricing, the way the market is at the moment, it's probably mainly lithium. But it is uh, also 30% boric acid, which is basically um, used in you know, heat resistance glass and, and other uh, materials like that. Um, so that accounts for about 30% of their revenue. So important to keep in mind at the, at the very least. Um, a lot of the lithium names have been sold off you know, somewhat unfairly just being high growth assets with this recent pullback and we're kind of seeing them bounce pretty hard now. So I think it's a hold just being in that lithium high growth space for the time being. Um, they do focus on low cost um, um, you know, production of lithium and they're, they're already in the States. So that they outline you know, a lot of the Tesla gigafactories that are nearby. So they're you know, positioned well to remain low cost because they don't have that transport transport fees. Um, you know, Sierra Resources is an interesting company out there which have decided to just build a processing plant right next to the Tesla factory. So it's not necessarily a unique thing in the market. A lot of nearly every Australian lithium miner has a contract with Tesla these days, mm. uh, just due to it being in such high demand. But yeah, I think it's fine to hold for the time being and you're really just playing the overall lithium market here. Well, in fact, Liontown reaffirming that agreement with mm. Tesla today and we've seen a couple of the bounce line town Pilbara yeah. minerals that's also up significantly today so yeah. um, so Francesco Ionia specifically then uh, obviously in the states as Joshua was outlined then it's yeah. got that proximity advantage I guess 
Yeah, look, it does. Um, I mean, this one to us is speculative as well. Um, we have speculated by more, more so from the point of view of the, the lithium sector um, and, and, you know, the, the outlook for that. Um, what concerns me about everyone's uh, euphoria behind the, the lithium story is that, um, you know, they think that the demands are going to be significant, but there's short supply, but there's a lot of lithium out there. It's just whether there's a mine that's economical to drag it out. There's a lot of investment going into exploration and, and development for, for lithium mines. So at some point that supply is going to catch up. So so the, the lithium price will probably come under a bit of pressure. I don't know when that is. Mm. It might be five years, might be 10 years. Um, but um, look, this one, it, it, like you say, the, it, all those things tick boxes. It, you know, it's 100% owned, that mine, the, um, the, the, the Rhyolite Ridge um, mine, um, which is you know, good proximity, all those sort of things tick boxes. There's always risks to these things, cost blowouts in, you know, um, in the capex and so forth. Um, it's losing money, so, but you expect that at, at this stage in their development. Um, and, and it's just a matter of if you, if you buy this as a speculative investment, you monitor the news flow. So would you prefer then a producer at this point rather than an explorer? I, I, I would, yeah, yeah, because you're actually getting the benefit of the price immediately rather than maybe down the track. Because maybe that price might come off down the track, like I said. Yeah. You know, you, when, you, when you have any commodity that this is, you know, when, when the price rises, then all of a sudden the investment into looking for that commodity and... Um, you know, extracting that commodity from the ground increases um, and at some point then your supply catches up to your demand and then the, the prices all then overtakes uh, and then it comes off. So, so um, yeah, prefer a producer. Um, uh, Allchem is one that we like as well, um, which, you know, is on our radar. All right. Okay. That's Iron Ear. Our next stock is Aussie Broadband, that is the communication space, of course. Aidan uh, saying it seems to be ticking up after the big drop at the beginning of May. Uh, he says he's taking this as a bullish signal that it will recover. So I'm thinking of buying it. Should he? Francesco? Uh, on our analyst, yes. Um, it's, and, and I like this. I think um, if you look at the market share they have, they only got about 6%. So from a growth perspective, they've got opportunities to grow their market share considerably. Um, whereas, you know, some of the bigger players, um, you know, have large market shares and um, to, to increase your market share by say 1% has little effect on if you've got 60% of market share. But when you've got 6% and you get a 2% market share increase, um, obviously that's a uh, good leverage in your, in your earnings. So uh, we like the stock, we think it's well positioned. It's investing uh, quite a bit of money in uh, fibre rollout strategy as well. Um, so that gives them a, a fair bit of control over their assets also. So look, it trades on a very high PE, but you know, when you look at a, a 77 times earnings PE for 2022, coming off to 25 times, that means their earnings are growing quite significantly. Um, and uh, you know, don't expect any dividends out of it for a number of years, but um, we expect some good growth out of this one. So why did it have that big fall? Um, not too sure why it fell like that, but um, um, it could have been just the market. Yep. Not sure. I haven't looked at the news well, on it. Perhaps along with everything else at the beginning of May. Well, this month at least. Uh, so, sorry, that was a buy. A buy, yeah. Buy, yep. Okay, Joshua? Yeah, I think uh, the, the market share is the big, big one for this company. Um, they do have a significant competitive advantage, um, especially now that Unity Group has been taken over. Um, so in terms of 
the way that their product works is basically it's fibre optics going directly into the, the building um, and then that connects to a node which goes into the copper existing system. The only better way to do that was to do in complete fibre optics which means you have to go into the building level and that's what Unity Group did. So Unity Group did have the you know, marginally better product but you know, there's no market opportunity for that anymore. Um, so I think in terms of what's on the market, it's, it's some of the, uh, the best way of doing things, technological speaking. And, uh, you know, the other thing is they have uh, a great customer support apparently. So um, that should just lead to further market share increase and uh, wouldn't see why that can not get, um, you know, it's at 6% at the moment, could, 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 could end up being 50%. You know, there's huge growth prospects for the company, as I guess has somewhat been priced in. IPO to dollar. Next day it was at two dollars. Reached highs of six dollars within a year. So mm. um, definitely priced in somewhat. I think the most important part for this stock to look into is definitely that 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 drop was significant. Um, seems a little bit unjustified. You know, there was a big announcement and, and you know lots of updates that they gave. But uh, you know, the probably the main thing was their guidance previous to that. It was uh, looking at about twenty-seven to thirty mil in earnings. Um, and they just revised that to be more accurate to be 27 to 28 mil. So it was at the lower end of guidance, but mm. a lot more accurate. So um, I think the key takeaway that you want to use, and you can see the chart there, you basically get involved in this, um, treat it, you know, the investment's there, but treat it as a trade. Um, so look at the technicals, make sure that it doesn't break those lows. If it breaks those lows, potentially look to get out. Um, and just keep in mind, as it does get back into profit, Everything that happens inside that news result is effectively just noise. So, you know, it's a big down day, it's a big red candle. It can easily close that gap, but just monitor it very closely for a sell if you need to get out. But so, yeah, buy. 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 Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. There are our first five or plus stock of the day. Uh, so let's uh, review where we've been. Uh, we began, stock of the day is AGL. It's causing so much news, of course, with that announcement that the demerger is off, certainly for now. Uh, so Francesco is saying that that's the worst option, uh, but he does have a hold on it. And Joshua is saying, yeah, it's certainly been messy. Uh, does present itself as a potential takeover, given particularly the designs that uh, Mike Cannon-Brooks has on it. He's got a sell on it. Uh, first stock, as picked by you, Bega in the uh, diversified food company there. Uh, Joshua is saying, can't really get excited about it, but does see it as recession-proof. He's got a sell on it. Uh, Francesco saying it's expensive, a hold perhaps with the potential to lighten at this point. Uh, GenX Power, uh, Joshua is saying, yeah, look, it's... Um, it's a, a small cap. He's got a sell on it. Uh, he actually prefers the hydrogen space at the moment. Uh, PH2, I think, is the one yep. he's looking at. Yep. And Francesco, uh, longer term, yes, a specky buy, but it just notes that it is losing money at this point. ResMed, both liking it. It is obviously in the sleep devices, particularly um, a sleep apnea treatment. Uh, Francesco is saying it's not cheap, but... Great growth there. He's got an accumulate on it. And uh, Joshua was saying uh, certainly potential growth there into other regions at the same time. Uh, he's got a strong buy on it. And we also had wanted some reference there as far as CSL, both liking that as a stock, uh, particularly once again, if uh, there's the prospect of recession. Ironia in the uh, lithium space uh, based in the States. 
uh, Joshua is saying, uh, yeah, fairly low cost. It likes the proximity given it's, uh, it's uh, in the space and wants to be particularly as far as Tesla. He's got a hold on it. Francesco is saying he's got a speculative buy on it, but notes it's still losing money at this point, and he actually prefers Allchem, preferring the uh, producers rather than the explorers at this point. And just finally there, Aussie Broadband, both slapping a buy on the communications company there. Uh, Joshua making the point there, given its uh, strong market share, customer support, and uh, yeah, Francesco seeing a buying opportunity. So that's our first five. Let's uh, catch up with the call zone uh, portfolio, the uh, High Conviction Fund. It's peaked by our investment committee, the latest episode of that committee meeting. It's uh, live here to watch at osbiz.com. Let's check in for an update. Tabcorp, Domino's, Art & Leisure, Tyro. They were added to the portfolio this month, shifting the original allocations and cash holding size. So far, our fund is down three and three quarter percent on a cumulative return basis since the inception in uh, the beginning of March. Obviously, it's been a difficult uh, conditions there for the market over the last couple of months. So keep sending in your requests. Keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Let's get into the first one then. It is Sims. Joshua, uh, Jeremy wanted to know about this. This is the global recycling giant. In fact, uh, Goldman Sachs recently downgrading it uh, to a neutral rating. Um, it is that scrap metal company. What are your thoughts then on Sims? Yeah, it's been moving around a fair bit, um, basically on the back of the steel price um, sort of being really quite volatile and, and somewhat hard to predict for a lot of people. So I think that's leading to a little bit of, um, you know, sort of volatility in the individual share price, bit of laggard effect. Um, but, uh, yeah, the company does fit well with the sustainability checklist for the future at least. Um, the demand for recycled materials is only going to increase as landfill costs rise about 10 15% per year. Um, so that's getting up there. Look, their most recent report... Um, came out above guidance and uh, that broke the stock up to a fresh high. Um, share price went on to add another 50% after that. A little bit was due to the uh, uh, steel price as well. Um, it does seem that the US steel um, demand remains there, um, yielding about 4%. Um, so I think uh, this one does look good. It, it, there's nothing sort of jumping out at me as, as any key risks um, and nothing seems, you know, every, everything seems above average for the market. So nothing really too much to get excited about being a scrap metal um, company, but um, definitely seems like a, a position that you could make really good money on. Is that a buy then? That's a buy, yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, you're sounding positive, so I take it as a buy. Uh, Francesco. 
Yeah, we've got a buy on it as well, so you can jot that down <laughs> right, okay. before I get into it. Yeah. Um, look, we, we see some good medium-term long earnings growth there. I mean, if you look at a, a 2023 PE of 9.3 times earnings, which is you know, relatively cheap when you look at it comparatively to the market, and you know, generating a 3.1% dividend fully franked is, is pretty attractive to you to your long-term investor. Um, look, we, we see medium-term earnings growth and, and volume growth, with, and which goes a long way to improving their balance sheet position as well. Um, you know, the growth's going to come out of organic activity, you know, cost outs, productivity improvements, um, working on supply chain and logistics uh, optimization. So, um, look, as you mentioned earlier, it's a global company, um, mainly primary operations are in the US. Um, so, you know, most things are in their control as well. So, yeah, look, we, we like the stock from a, um, a medium to long-term perspective and got a buy on it. All right. That is a double buy. So our investment committee is going to be taking a look at Sims when next they meet. All right, let's get into the energy space. Beach Energy, it is oil and gas exploration production. Um, <clears throat> in fact, it's had good growth this year. And that's no surprise, obviously, given where energy has gone particularly in light of what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, Oliver, wanting to get a view on this, he says he's only got a small parcel of shares I'm looking to hold for five years or so. So, should he, Francesca? Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I, we like the stock and I think, you know, five-year investment horizon is quite good for Beach. Um, you know, it trades on seven times. Again, it's 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 cheap, um, but it's cheap for a reason sometimes. But, um, you know, with oil prices around $120 a barrel, um, your earnings expectations are going to be quite high and the cash flows are very strong, so net debt is close to zero. Um, you know, it's got one of the strongest balance sheets in the large cap oil and gas space at the moment. Um, so, yeah, look, it's got good leverage to, to East Coast gas prices. Um, so we like the stock, we've got to buy on it. Um, probably not my preferred in the space. I, I, I'd prefer Santos uh, in this space, particularly post uh, merger with Allsearch, or takeover if you like. Um, but um, yeah, look, if, if um, uh, Oliver owns it, then you know, five-year horizon on beaches is, is pretty good, I think. All right, but um, yeah, but, but you, you'd be adding Santos then at this point. I like Santos, yes. Yeah, yeah. Joshua? Um, yeah, I definitely think it's good to hold, um, even if you're sort of thinking the next year or two. I think it's going to you know, come up a fair bit in the next year or two as uh, if the oil price does hold up anywhere near these levels, even if it cools off down to $100 and stays there for the rest of the calendar year, that's going to you know, have a massive flow and effect to all these oil companies. Um, so we like oil. We're involved in an oil ETF actually at the moment just to directly track the price of oil pretty much since the start of the Ukraine tensions. We've been active with that position. And uh, I guess various energy stocks in general, I think it's a really good play at the moment. Um, Beach is probably one of the lowest correlated to the spot price of oil as in comparison to Woodside and Santos, just purely the fact that they actually do hedge a little bit more than those other companies. So they are actually benefiting a little bit less than those bigger oil companies due to the price going up. Um, but yeah, definitely positive on oil, definitely good for a hold. Um, you know, for anyone that's not involved in it, you know, maybe you can look at uh, another oil company, maybe even the oil price directly itself, and then it'll lead to the flow-on effect after. Mm. Or an ETF, as you say. Yep. Um, if you're looking at another oil and gas company, obviously, Francesco, they're mentioning Santos. You did reference Woodside mm. there. Now they've picked up mm. 
BHPs, yeah. uh, oil and gas assets, how you is what would you be your preferred mm. company then in that space? So we're involved in the direct oil, and I guess our plan is to pick up. It's, it's paying some distributions right now, basically. So we're looking to hold that until maybe that finishes. Um, and then, you know, I did have Santos on my radar, but I just want to see how Woodside looks after the whole demerger thing and stuff like that. I think there'll be a little bit of stock volatility around that. And, yeah, I think just completely reassess as it, as it comes out as, an, as a new business almost. So um, not necessarily saying it's a buy, but definitely have a look at once things settle on that front. Okay. All right. Let's move to uh, Hanson Technology. Terry wanted to know about this. It is the global provider of software and services to the energy, water, communications industry. Uh, and uh, it's in around 80 countries. Uh, helps them to create, sell and deliver new products and services, manage and analyse customer data, control their revenue management, customer support processes. Joshua Hansen. Well, um, it's a tech company. Um, well, is that an immediate red light, is it? It's no, well, it's the, you know, all the other tech companies should take a leaf out of Hanson's book, I think. Um, it's earnings positive, it's low debt, and it pays a yield. Hmm. So, you know, if, you, if you're not happy with that with your tech company, there's not much you, you're not <laughs> going to be happy with. Um, so I think this is in a great spot for where the market's moving. Those sort of, um, you know, the business model of just focusing purely on revenue and just taking losses and cap raising for tech companies is kind of, is definitely faded out like this. The market shares on all those stocks indicate that. So Hanson's a, a good company in that, in that space um, to play that. They also received, just as a, as a company specific thing, they received an unsolicited takeover last year at about 650. Um, stock's trading at the moment at six, uh, $5, sorry. Mm. So, you know, someone sees value around those levels. Um, it ended up going through. It was, seemed, seemed like a really amical breakup from the company that withdrew. They said, you know, management's great. They said everything looks good in the business. They just withdrew for, you know, their own reasons. So uh, they're continuing to make earnings accretive acquisitions, which is great. I think if you're in this stock, it's a hold. Um, however, definitely on the radar for when that sector comes a little bit more into favour and then it just becomes a, a great company that you can try and get on. All right, so what you are you perhaps looking beyond certainly the current mm. market sort of macro background then, given obviously the pressure tech companies are under, then you'll see some further growth here? Well, I'm not ignoring it, no. I, I don't know how long the sell-off in tech is going to last mm. um, and I don't think you know, it's bounced a couple of percent off the lows. So once we see that turn around completely, then you look for good companies like this. I think you work, you work top down more or less. So just a hold for now. I wouldn't sell it because it is such a great company over the long term, um, but I'd just be a little bit wary on buying it. But it is a great company to put on your watch list. On the watch list, yeah. Francesco. Yeah, look, I, I think it's, um, like you mentioned, you know, tech companies have come under pressure in recent yeah. you know, weeks, months, if you like. Um, and obviously, you know, when you're in an environment where interest rates are rising, um, companies that are investing capital to, to, for future growth um, or future profits um, come under a lot of pressure and those PEs start to come back. Um, this is a, a slightly different tech company in that it's a large global player. Um, as you mentioned, billing systems around the world. Uh, there is growth opportunities from them. They've only recently signed a, a, a contract with a large US um, corporation, um, a large utility in the US. Um, so, so, you know, that, that provides 
opportunities for growth um, when when large companies see other large companies using utilising their system. It gives them a vote of confidence. So we think there's some leverage that they can gain off that. Look, on a forward PE of 16, point, 16 times earnings, um, it looks quite attractive for a tech stock. I mean, yes, there might be some more weakness across the whole sector, um, but um, I think you know if you look back over that tech rack back in the early 2000s, what were the tech stocks that survived? The ones that had good um, um, good earnings, good solid earnings, and good solid clients. And I, and I think this one will be something similar. So you know, we've got a buy recommendation on it. Um, as Josh mentioned, you know, they had a takeover offer at um, what was it over six dollars, six fifty. Yeah. Um, you know that 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 indicates that there is value there, particularly when it's trading around the five dollar mark. Just, I mean, just as far as that takeover offer is concerned, then was that? Did they? Should they have taken that? I mean. Um, it was withdrew before they really Oh, okay. Didn't go through anyway. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a little bit of that going on too. So Appen had a takeover. Well, last that was week. last week. The yeah. same sort of thing happened. But that, that was in a matter of hours. <laughs> uh, well, no, w- yes and no. It was a matter of hours after it had actually been announced. Announced because yeah. they'd been right. looking and it had been leaked. Um, so they had to announce it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yep. But I, I think the acquirer and their name escapes me at the moment was probably just, you know, because they just bought a, a, a business. A similar business, the Canadian firm, recently, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and I think they were just trying to have a look at the books. Yep. All right, and then took a bit of a deep dive and realised yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe Who not. Knows. Yeah. No, no, I don't think they even were intending to have a crack at it. To be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. All right. So that was Hanson. Um, so we got a hold and a buy on it, but that hold from um, Joshua there was just—it's on his watch list. So that's uh, one to keep an eye out for. All right. Let's move on to Challenger. Um, Steve wanted to know about this one. It's the financial services company. Uh, at its rest- recent Investor Day presentation, Act uh, announced that it reported normalised or impact their guidance for 22 was likely to be at the higher end of its 430 million to 480 million guidance estimate. So, Francesco, um, what are your thoughts on Challenger? Yeah, look, I think Challenger is fully valued, probably overvalued a little bit. Um, so. Um, We'd be looking to take this one off the table. Um, we've got a light recommendation on it, so I mean that indicates that um, you know anyone with large uh, portfolios should um, you know reduce their exposure to it, and those with smaller probably take it off the table. I would suggest um, our analyst is looking at the market volatility and sees that as a big risk to them as well. So with a stock like this, you know, trading at, at, at a significant multiple, you know, than it should. Um, yeah, we think that um, you know it's worth taking it off the table. All right, so that is a lighten. Um, are there any other, you know, contemporaries in the space um, that you are liking at the moment? Yeah, look, Macquarie Bank, you know, or Macquarie Group nowadays. Mm. Um, yeah, we like. Um, we think that the recent sell-off in the share price has created um, good buying opportunities. Mm. I mean, um, a lot of people think that Macquarie is a high-risk bank, and and yes, it's. It's riskier than your, your 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 savings and loans bank, like your your, your big four, um, but you know it's a it's a different beast to what it was pre GFC and around the GFC. You know, there are a lot of their investments are in infrastructure and utilities and things like that, which tend to be a lot more stable investments. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we think um, um, Macquarie a bit bank, more defensive Macquarie than group, in, that re- in that regard. Yeah, yeah, in that regard, in their investments, but there's yeah. still good growth out of Macquarie, we think as well. So and and Macquarie pays a reasonably good dividend. It's only forty percent franked, but still yep. a good dividend. Yep. Yeah. All right, Joshua. 
Yeah, we love Macquarie too. Just yeah. around, <laughs> you're around, right, it's, yeah. Around loves Macquarie. I don't, no, I don't the, think I'm in Macquarie because doesn't like Macquarie, but yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, there are times, there are times. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of Challenger, um, the big part of their business is the life business, which is, you know, largely skewed to the annuity side of things. Um, we've seen annuities come up quite strongly. You know, some of that might be priced in already. Um, we've had it in our portfolio since. I guess the interest rate story has has um, started to kick off. I think it's in an interesting space where um, it's in a very tight range. So we've been selling or trimming it at the very least any major upticks in in the share price as it gets quite elevated. Um, but that being said, I, I, I'd probably look to buy it back on a pullback as well. So it's not necessarily a buy at these levels, but uh, maybe buy on a pullback. So maybe just a hold for now um, and then you know, if you get any sort of drastic movements in the share price to the upside, be a buyer. Ah, oh, sorry, sorry, be a seller. If you get any drastic movements to the downside, be a, be a be a buyer because you know the yield is going to be quite good at the moment. It's yielding about four and a half percent if you include the franking. But prior to COVID, they were paying around seventeen and a half, eighteen cent dividends, and uh, you know with that. Since COVID, they've paid nine and a half, ten and a half, eleven and a half. So, if you are really long term with the position, you're likely to pick up increasing yields. And if it gets back up to there, it's about seven percent yield on current prices. So, um, yeah, it's an okay position. I'd hold it for now and just get active with it, basically. Okay, but watch out for some sort of pullback, and then yeah, you can sort of add to it. All right, so that's Challenger. Uh, finally, let's take a look at uh, Whisper. Ken wanted to know about this. It is the cloud-based uh, communications company. It's come off around 50% over the past six months, in fact. Um, so I guess that begs the question, uh, is there a buying opportunity there? Joshua. Well, you look at the revenues, they're continuing to increase. Revenues were up 70%. Um, however, you know, it's basically the opposite of what I said about Hanson. Um, they're taking on huge losses, raising capital, you know, that 2019 and, and previous tech business model of um, taking on huge losses to grow revenues isn't in favour with the market right now. Um, so definitely not a buy at these levels. Um, it is really going to hurt to sell because it's pretty much below um, all-time lows in terms of the listing price a couple of years ago and everything like that. So it's going to be hard sell if you're in it, but um, definitely not a buy. Um, you know, I'd put it down as a sell, to be fair. All right, so you just got to cop it, basically. I think so. You're not saying... Make the hard decision, rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, what, what, what's your metric that you use in that sort of situation where, I mean, obviously the market in general has come off so much mm. at the moment, where perhaps you think, okay, I've got to cut my losses mm. because there is opportunity elsewhere to yep. deploy that cash rather than just sit on it mm. and hope that it's going to come back eventually. What, what, how, do you, how do you weigh that up with the company? Yeah, as, as simple as it sounds, it's, it's opportunity cost, rate up, weighed up with a bit of risks. Um, you know, if you're got another stock you can try and make 15 to 20% on and the risk is really low in terms of you know paying a yield earnings positive versus this one where yeah sure it could come up 15 20% bounce off those lows but you know it could also down head, head down another 30% before it comes back into favor so i think um, if you're getting emotional about it that's your first mistake I mean, <laughs> it's really hard and i know it's easier said than done it's easy yeah. as an advisor when you Telling clients it's not your money, um, but that's why we're here. We're here to make the hard decisions. Um, we're here to tell the client what's in their best interest from a risk and return point of view. And I think uh, you know sometimes the best thing you can do is just move it from the uh, portfolio to the watch list, 
you know, the money's already gone, unfortunately. Uh, it's just a, just a crystallizing a loss. Unfortunately, the loss is already there. So um, the best way to you know, get that back is with a stock that's doing a lot better. Yeah, as you say, that's why we have advisors to make the objective judgments. Um, so Francesco, you're just on that point then. What? It's easy to buy. The hardest thing to do is to sell. sell. Yeah, right. <laughs> and knowing when to sell. Yeah. And, and you know, look, sometimes you look at a stock and you go, well, the reason why I bought it have changed so you've got to buy the bullet or you know there's there's as josh mentioned opportunities elsewhere you, you know if you've got say fifty thousand dollars to to invest or your own fifty thousand dollars in a stock would you use fifty thousand in cash to buy that or would you buy something else at that point in time mm. um some point, sometimes the answer is i wouldn't have bought that if i bought that now so so they're the decisions people need to sort of look at and the questions they need to ask themselves when they're thinking about well do i do i cut my losses and run or do i take my profits because even even on the other side where things are going well um, sometimes it's hard to make the decision to say well enough's enough and don't think there's any more in that so Anyway, it's a dilemma um, for everyone. But um, look, so so does that apply to whisper then at this point? Yeah, look, um, look, our, our analyst is on on this, and he's and he's very positive now that the share price has come back. So he's got to buy on it. I'm probably more of a hold personally myself. Um, he he sees that there's some significant um, growth in their earnings over the next three to four years um, now. Uh, as we've spoken about some of the tech stocks earlier, um, you know, in lower, higher interest rates, um, you know, puts lower valuations on the sector. So, so they get caught up in that. And, uh, you know, some of that share price movement's probably a little bit of that in there as well. I, I look, I, I think it's big enough to 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 um, to, to continue to generate uh, revenue growth, uh, whether that can turn in profit as quick as the analysts suggest by 2024. I don't know, um, but you know, time will tell that. Um, I, I'm probably more of a hold, so if I've gone in uh, and, and I, look, the business itself, I like the business. I think it's a good business. It's just a matter of what price and where does it turn profitable. So mm. so if, 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 if you've bought it and, and you're, um, you're confident that the, the, the business model won't change a great deal, then I'd be prepared to sort of st- hang in there for a while longer. Um, I'm not as confident as the analysts to say that you know this is it's come off quite a bit and it's it's good opportunity to buy. Um, I'd be a bit bit more cautious and see if there's any movement to the upside before I start having a crack at it. All right, that is whisper. Let's uh, summarise the second half of the show. Then we began with Sims, the global recycling giant. Uh, both have a buy on it. Um, looking at that strong demand, particularly in the US. In fact, both mentioning it's an attractive dividend. So. That's going to be considered by our investment committee. Uh, Beach Energy, we know where the energy prices have been of late. Uh, Francesco has a buy on it, saying it's um, relatively cheap, strong balance sheet, but he does prefer Santos. Uh, likewise, Joshua you know, considers Santos also Woodside. He's liking ETFs that, uh, uh, as far as the oil price is concerned, he's got a hold on it. Um, Hanson Technology. Uh, Joshua, he's got it on his watch list, but it is a hold at this point. Um, pays a good yield, he's saying, um, but it's in a good spot. So he's certainly watching it. And uh, Francesco saying it's look, looking attractive for a tech stock in particular. He's got a buy on it. Um, Challenger. Uh, Francesco saying essentially overvalued. He prefers Macquarie, as does uh, Joshua. Francesco's got a lighten on it. Uh, Joshua, uh, a buy and a pullback, but uh, at the moment a hold. And finally, there, Whisper. 
Um, Joshua pointing out sometimes you've just got to take the losses, so he's got to sell on it. And Francesco saying um, the uh, the odds has a buy on it, seeing some opportunity at a low, given it's come off so much. But he personally has a hold on it. All right, so that is the show for today. Francesco, thanks for joining us some odds. Pleasure, Andrew. Thank you. And Joshua from Cheers. Macro. Thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet us at ausbiztv. And a reminder where to find those stocks we have in the calls portfolio, you can head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Mm-hmm.